0: Buenos dias, mi familia. Greetings from a rather cool autumn morning here in Melbourne. I can confirm it is officially Ugg boot and hot water bottle weather. So to warm us up, I have a delicious conversation with Josh Payne. He's one of the head facilitators at the Man Cave, a preventative mental health organization that focuses on helping young boys grow into men of character and service. If you want more self-love, self-acceptance and self-leadership to bring you to your highest and most aligned self, then this one's for you. Having extensive experience in masterfully holding transformational spaces, as well as being an absolute devotee to the parts work, a powerful psychotherapy technique to step into more self-love and leadership, Josh drops so many wisdom bombs throughout the entire conversation. For those of us that want to understand ourselves deeper in order to make the changes in our life to live with more alignment, meaning, and authentic service. In this conversation, we explore how acting, festivals and conscious relating were the biggest drivers in him stepping into his higher self, what it means to be a man or woman of character and how to embrace this within ourselves, how to identify the people pleaser in you and unblock yourself for more confidence and authentic expression, how to use the parts work technique to practice more self-acceptance and compassion how to discern whether you're approaching your goals from a place of abundance or scarcity, and how to navigate challenges in a relationship to deepen your capacity to love both yourself and them. And before launching into this episode, I would love you forever if you could pause this conversation and now and give the Barefoot Hustler a rating on Spotify or Apple. It could be the thing that nudges someone to give the podcast a shot and change the direction of where they're going. It's such a small act, but it can make such a big difference. So pretty please press pause and give it a rating. And with that, let's get into the conversation with Josh. Welcome everyone to the Barefoot Hustler podcast, where hustlers, creatives, and seekers unite and realize we're all one, where the hustle meets the flow. I'm your friend and host, Sejin Gunneritis, and my intention is to delinear the labels we always try and squeeze into and give permission for us to live in the spaces between. So whether you're a hustler that could benefit from slowing down and bringing more alignment and purpose to your work, or you're a free spirit that's getting a calling to bring more structure, drive, and creation to your life, I'm super grateful you're taking a wee little chunk of your day to grow with me both for your future self and the collective at large. Together, let's pioneer a new way of living and redefine what it means to live a rich, connected and purposeful life in the 21st century. Let's all be Barefoot Hustlers. So take off your shoes, grab a coffee and let's jump in. Welcome, Josh, to Barefoot Hustler. Thank you. Oh, How I like to start, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you're very familiar with, is a Mm check-in. How are you feeling in your body, in your mind, in your psyche? Mm. Um,
1: how am I feeling in my body? So in my body right now, I actually feel like pretty good. I've been, um, I've been, I've changed how I approach the gym, which has been really interesting. I've, um, my brother, who's a bodybuilder, uh, connected like we went and did a family thing about four weeks ago Mm. and I asked him I said oh do you mind if we go to the gym together and have some bonding time and um he showed me a bunch of different ways of approaching working out it's very much about um mind and body and I loved hearing about that Mm. and um and so now when I go there it's actually me connecting to my body and working with the limitations of my body rather than going in and getting stronger or, um, putting on size or anything like that. Mm. It's very much a uh, me connecting back into my body in a different
0: way. Um, almost so, like addressing the imbalances that you might have to help you come back and strengthen the areas that are super weak to bring, to kind of alleviate the pain rather than just going in with a blanket arm day, bicep day kind of vibe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm still doing it that way, but I, like in terms of like, Oh, I'm going to do back and buys or chest and tries or the legs or whatever. Yeah. But it's more, it's more, um, listening to what my body's um, limitations are and then not needing to go really really heavy or anything like that but just just pushing the edge and then really listening and there's this whole process around before every exercise I'm doing like I'll do a really lightweight just to let that that particular muscle that's using that particular exercise and let them know that Um, that's about to happen. And Mm. I love it because it's really respectful and I do that with everything. And I feel that when I used to go, I would go to try and put on size because I was subconscious about my weight, Mm. about being skinny. And so um, now going back, it's more a connection and I'm learning a lot more about um, what my body can do. Mm. And so at this particular moment in my body, I feel really good. I feel really good. Mm.
0: Um, What is your... Exercise regime look like
1: right now? At this point, because I'm I'm doing so much at the moment with work, um, I've got an Anytime Fitness voucher, so I, I mean membership. So I I kind of just go anywhere I can, maybe three days a week, because mm. you can kind of go anywhere with Anytime Fitness. So um, I've just been doing that. And That's been nice, yeah. and really nice to go to go back into that environment because I avoided it for about four years. Really, I went occasionally here and there, but um, it's been nice to go back in there and to not necessarily go in uh, trying to be better Mm. or, um, you know, looking at myself in the mirror and going, oh, I'm not impressed. I'm not happy Mm. with this. It's different. It's connecting to what my body's capable of, which is really fun. Mm. And so, and I also get, I actually feel like that's why I have quite a bit of vitality at the moment is because I'm choosing to go and exercise and then eat really well and drink lots of water. And yeah, so in my body, I feel amazing.
0: Mm. I love that. I feel like, I mean, I was a personal trainer for nine years. Nine years? Nine years. And so I've been on my own fitness journey and it's wild to, I'm so grateful for it because it really set the foundations of me understanding my body and knowing how to give my body what it needs, which is such a foundation of everything else. So a lot of, you know, what I talk about now with my podcast guests and clients is how to reclaim yourself on the mental and emotional and spiritual front. But if you have, if you completely disregard your physical body it makes, us, it makes everything a lot harder. Mm. And I'm very grateful for that journey, but I feel like I went through the whole like, yeah, definitely go to the gym to look a certain way, always push. I came from a cross-country background where it's like if you weren't crying at a training session, you weren't pushing hard enough. And just that bled in for so many years. And mm. only in the past, oh, I'm going to say two years, two, three years, have I started to shift the energy behind going to the gym or working out as one of what what can I do for my body rather than I'm not enough. That scarcity of like, I need to change or fix or be better. Mm. And it's just the the lack of mental load behind that is so, so life-changing, mm. I feel. It makes it so much more sustainable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And how are you feeling in your mind?
1: In my mind. At this moment, there's there's a lot happening. I feel like... For a while now, my life has moved into this new plateau or this new level, this Mm. platform. I've arrived at some point, I've arrived at this new platform where I've put myself in a number of different things that are actively going at the same time. And I reckon when I was younger, there's no way I'd be able to exist the way I exist now. Just because it's just the capacity wouldn't have been as large. But at the moment, I'm I'm quite, I'm across quite a few different things and there's people involved in those things. And so my mind, despite me doing quite a lot of work with my mind about just being quite present with what I'm doing right now, um, it can, I'm finding that my mind can tend to be in one place, but also monitoring maybe four or five other things at the same time.
0: Mm.
1: At this point, it feels good. Um, I've already done everything I needed to do today so this is like the last thing apart from going to the beach with Demi later Mm. Um, which that's all good so my mind at this point feels good.
0: Mm. Can I ask what's allowed for the expansion of your capacity? So you said you weren't able to do this when you were younger, what's Mm. changed? It's a big question
1: Do you want to deep (laughs) dive? It's a big question Uh, For me it's um, putting simply it's um, it's having less fear in my life. So a lot of like a lot of the work I've been doing on myself over the past um, how long now? It's like mm, like 14 months maybe longer. Um, I've been doing a lot of work in a workaround what are parts of my consciousness afraid of, like outcomes, like being rejected or doing it wrong or people seeing me in a certain way that I don't look valuable or lovable or all of the, like little the little things that used to pop up when I would um, give things a go or commit to something or yeah, just choose to do something in general. Um, often when I was younger, I was really concerned about how people thought about me and like what their opinions would end up being if I decided mm-hmm. to do X, Y, and Z. And I think that lately... Um, I don't, I, I, I take feedback, but ultimately I'm in a place now where I understand a lot of what's happening inside of me to the point where I'm kind of getting to a point where I'm realizing that, um, I can do quite a lot and, um, I'm not, I'm not using, uh, fossil fuels inside of me. I'm using quite a renewable energy source because, everything I'm doing, I'm understanding why I'm doing it mm. instead of doing it out of obligation, which I feel was would be wearing me down back in the day when I was sometimes saying yes to things I didn't want to say yes to or mm. I felt like I needed to go a certain way in order to get to something. I'm not doing that anymore.
0: And that's what you referred to as fossil fuels.
1: Fossil fuels, yeah, because mm. that would just wear me out. I was doing stuff I didn't like.
0: So it's like people-pleasing. Yeah. And, yeah, fear of being judged and things like that. That's why you did things. Yeah. And that renewable energy, I'm curious, how would you explain that?
1: So the renewable energy in my experience has been doing things that, um, I understand why I'm doing them on a deeper level. I understand, you know, what I can offer and, um, uh, that's, that's pretty much the base of it. It's just understanding on a deeper level what I'm doing.
0: Is that like the drive coming from more of an internal focus rather than external where it's like intuitive or from your gut? Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, it's similar, but I would say sometimes I can't explain why I have a pull to want to go talk to that person or to start dancing and performing more. It doesn't really make sense with my career, Mm -hmm. but it feels so igniting and so exciting. Mm. But I can't explain why. I don't know where that comes from. Mm. How would you like that? Because you're saying you can explain where it's coming from.
1: I have that too. Uh, it's more I I really I've really connected to an understanding of why or potentially why I'm actually here in this time in this this particular time of existence and why I yeah why I chose to incarnate at this particular time, why I chose my particular parents, why I chose where in the world I am. I actually feel like I understand what I'm here to do mm. um, for now. Mm. That can evolve. I'm very open to mm. it evolving, but for now it feels like I, I I deeply understand what I'm here to do and that is to create safe spaces for people to explore their greatness and that involves obviously going into the shadow, into the dark, into the stuff that um, they might typically not have an environment to explore that stuff safely mm. um, and celebrate the shit out of them. Mm. Like really make sure that, it. yeah, it's like deep stuff, but it's also it can be it's fucking liberating like releasing yourself of those things that make you smaller that you learned when you were younger or wow you know and so like i i have a lot of i have a lot of energy towards doing that pretty much all the time and i've done it since i was like a kid like Mm. i can tie i can backdate this way of being back to when i was in primary school and so it's pretty obvious that for a very long time this has felt like what gives me energy to create these spaces and so, um, for me, it's it's understanding, yep, cool, I'm, I reckon that's probably why I'm here. Mm-hmm. So, if I just keep doing that sort of mm-hmm. stuff and just trusting, and sometimes that might mean, like, not being on the path all the time. It might mean I might go away for four years traveling and, you know, <sighs> trimming weed in California or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I have no idea where it's going to take it me. It came but from somewhere. It's remember, that's it's it. it. Yeah. So, I do have the magic, too, because, yeah. like... I do feel like it is it is it is important to have other things that um, ignite me too. You know, I did a ring making course um, a couple of weeks ago because I, I love rings. I was admiring
0: your rings. Did, did you, you make them?
1: No, I didn't make these. Oh, no, no, no. So sick. I think I've got one. that's n- not in here, but I love making rings, and I was yeah. I was thinking, God, it'd be great if I mm. just had a bit more joy, had a bit more cur- like creativity and stuff in my life, and so.
0: Did you notice that because you were falling into? certain way of being and you noticed that that wasn't your higher self or how did you pick up on that
1: um it was just recognizing that a lot of my life is um serving people Mm. and that's great there's so much in it for me and there isn't a lot of creative things that i do where i lose hours just Mm. with me and i don't i don't have a lot of that i I twirl sometimes Mm. um which you know about yeah
0: so (laughs) yeah
1: um have you lit up before I have. Yeah, that was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It needs to be
0: a ceremony. It's so beautiful. Oh. It's like people were trying to tell me to light up my dragon stuff for so long, but yeah. the perfectionist in me, or like I was like, no, why? it's dangerous. I want to be at a certain level. Mm. And I kept on being like, hey, guys, teach me a new technique. And everyone says, light her up and she'll teach you. And I rolled my eyes. I was like, hey, nah, what, what does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. And then the first time I did light up, I got it. And it, it just completely transforms you're pulled into the present moment so much because you're holding fire. Yeah. For those of you guys that don't know, Dragon Staff is a long device with a, almost cross four pieces of fire at the end of a long pole, and you're twirling it around your body. It's insane, but that was that was monumental. That was fun. Mm. Mm. When did you do that? Where? Yeah. First time was on the way back down from Orinaya, this uh, doof in the danger rainforest. Maybe... Yeah. July last, year. July last year so pretty recent mm-hmm. and it was this on the way back down this secluded little beach at sunset and Beck was there and uh, she was like I'm going to see my van I just went out I was like you know what this is the best time for me and I just lit it up myself and just got so lost in it and then like looked up seven minutes later and she was just on the side watching being like what the hell <laughs> it was so magical I don't know what it looked like back then I would have just been like holding it doing very basic stuff but yeah. it was fun but yeah definitely vouch for those things like that and playing guitar and Mm. being with my friends is a massive one to pull me out because i have such a pull to be doing the work i'm doing Mm. and i even just wrote an email about this today where i just came back from esoteric and it Mm. was such a beautiful reminder because i can get lost in my work and because there's so much meaning in it i Mm. can justify why this is Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. but then after i did i released a workshop experience two, three weeks ago, and it went really well. And then I just felt, I felt a, a deep agitation in my body and a big disconnect from my work afterwards, which didn't make sense because I was like, you know, I just did something so epic, something that I've been wanting to for so long that's so aligned, why do I feel like that? And then five days later, I went to esoteric and I was surrounded by community and just dancing and no responsibilities. And for me personally, my value of connection is so high that yes, my work is so meaningful but nothing compares to when i'm with family and crew and community and everything almost melts away like Mm. all my i need to do this podcast i need to do this video i need to Mm. see that client all these pressures that i put my on myself Mm. being with people and that in that expression of love allows me to zoom out and ask myself what is this all for Mm. and it's it was such a good reminder
1: Mm. yeah yeah can relate yeah yeah definitely can relate i think it's really important that That's something that um, Dem and I have actually talked about recently is just, yeah, being so connected to our service can, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of parts of me can justify staying and staying on course and not steering off the path and doing something like a festival or a holiday or whatever. Yeah. Can relate. Mm -hmm. In fact, yeah, one of the uh, esoteric, I realized 20 minutes after Demi left that I actually really wanted to go. Like like, It was just like that final little bit where I realized, hang on a minute. There's going to be a lot of people there I haven't seen in a really long time. And I don't need to go there and party. I can just go there and drop in with people. And that's that's actually all I want. I just want to know how everyone's doing. Um, and, you know, that's all I wanted. And well, now you know. Now I know. Now I know. Oh, now, now I know.
0: <laughs> the regret. Yeah, um, yeah and, uh, and how often is it that such a big group of people come together... To definitely, not, if, if someone asks me what I do in my life, work-wise, I'm like, what the hell? It's just such a place where you come and you just connect. And you can dance and party if you want, but I feel like, I mean, I've done a lot of doofs and I've realized I don't like the nighttime doof because it gets gremlin-y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, for me, it's, I'm just there to connect. Mm-hmm. And then it it gets really dark. You go on the main D floors, everyone's just like looking down, no one's having eye contact. It becomes way more about the drugs mm-hmm. and I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So it's like bringing more intention in how, why I'm there has also allowed me to get so much more out of these experiences as well.
1: Mm. Mm. God, I miss
0: doves. Yeah.
1: It's been such a long time.
0: How have they played a role in your evolution of who you are today? And I'd love to talk to your journey with the Man Cave, mm-hmm. um, as well as yeah, anything that else that's been pivotal in you coming to the man of character that you are now mm-hmm. versus however many years ago, when you feel like you weren't in that full expression?
1: Sure, yeah. So I'll bunny hop through the like the really early stuff and then get to the more nitty gritty later. Mm -hmm. But it started with, um, I named earlier, that uh, for a majority of my life, I've been engaged in deeper conversation most of my life. Um, When I was a kid in primary school, I always Mm. loved talking to the girls. I never loved hanging out with the boys because the boys all, all they wanted to do was play sport and be rough. And Mm. um, I thought it was really limiting and boring. And so I'd spend all this time just talking about emotions with girls, and um, that carried over into high school. In high school, I just got into theatre. I was in just doing all theatre stuff because um, when I was in high school, I um, I went in there knowing that I had ADHD and that I was told that I had a learning disability. And so I didn't think that I was particularly smart. And when I the, the way I was taught in high school was. Um, a particular way that actually wasn't my way of learning. And at the time, I didn't know any better. I just thought, oh, I'm not learning, so I must be dumb. And so that was a story that perpetuated for a really long time and it made me smaller. And the only place that actually made me remain connected to some form of source, which is like feeling alive and have purpose, was um, within the drama room, which I was so fucking lucky, had a really good uh, theater program. And so I was in there from year seven through to year 12. By the time I hit year nine, I was doing all the lead roles. Wow. Um, And then on the last year of my high school in year 12, I managed to actually get into... I got the lead role in a horror movie that was being shot up in Brisbane. Oh, my God. And that was fucking wild because that was all I really... That was like the, you know, the thing that I always wanted to have. I wanted to do a film, you know, as an actor, I always wanted that. And I got it before I even finished wow. high school. And then I just realized when I got back that high school just wasn't like... I didn't give a shit about it. I really came back. I came back. Exams were at my back, like waiting to come at me, because I got back halfway through year twelve. So
0: busy, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's you know final exams of of high school, and everyone's freaking out, and I couldn't have been more in a place of just like, I couldn't. I was so complacent about it. Wow. I did that. Didn't look at my answer score. Oh really? She still don't know. <laughs> no, nah. never looked at it. Yeah. No. no, need for it. I just didn't. I thought I just I really got a clear picture that high school wasn't my place. And I left, and then I just pursued. I pursued acting, and I traveled a lot, and I did a lot of like trying to yeah going and auditioning a lot. And the whole thing around that was I um I did what was called method acting, which is mm-hmm. really this is actually where a lot of my emotional uh, awareness or emotional intelligence training started. Was I started to I'd look at a page. And, um, I'd started to, I would start to read it and, um, I'd ask myself what would make me do what this character on the page is doing. And so
0: is that some method acting? Can you give a quick example?
1: Yeah. So method acting is, um, I learned this style through a course I did, um, called the Howard Fine professional acting course. It's a course that's come from LA to Melbourne. They've got a studio here in Melbourne and I did that. I did the year long course. And basically, <clears throat> what they teach you is if I'm in a scene and I'm auditioning for this scene and it's a scene where I'm being questioned by the police for kidnapping somebody and I've already been caught, um, this is actually an audition I did once. And so I, what, what I'm doing is I'm actually, if I was to play a bad guy having getting interviewed by the police, that is the, that's such a boring thing. Thing to watch because people are like, Oh, he's just playing an idea of a bad guy. I mean, he, this is so predictable. He's only one shade. He's just this, like, you, you can just predict everything he's going to mm-hmm. do. But if I'm a human being that understands deeply why I did it mm-hmm. and has a justification as to why I actually kidnapped that person because all of a sudden I'm like I'm completely in this space of um, you know I think I'm actually in the right because everybody does that everybody justifies everything everything we do we have a justifiable reason behind it that's human nature to do that and that's what I found really interesting about it I really found connecting to um, all these parts of myself that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily want to look at within themselves like what would make me want to kidnap somebody Mm -hmm. like no one wants to go there or what would make me want to kill someone you know and like I felt into that. I did a lot of that. I felt into what would make me kill someone.
0: Just through mindset or did you look stuff up or did you speak to people? Or?
1: No, I connected to it through my emotions. So I would feel into like what's someone, who's someone that I'm super protective of. And then, you know, I'm going to go a bit graphic here. But like, what would it? What would happen to me if I was pinned up against a wall, gunpoint or knife point, and I had to watch that loved one of mine be raped and killed in front of me? Like, I would, I would, like, I can feel it in my body right now. Like, I would do absolutely everything in my power to end the life of the people that are causing that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd just do it. I'd, there would be no second guessing about mm-hmm. that. I mean, now maybe a bit different, but that's like a, it's that emotion. Like, mm-hmm. you can imagine that emotion is quite a fiery thing.
0: Which is a very, I mean. Yeah, different ways of putting it. Very courageous, very concerning, very scary to put your body and nervous system through that. Which is so, it shows out the power of the mind. All you have to do is imagine that, and oh yeah, your body releases the chemicals, the hormone, everything that you need to, to act on it. Yeah, That's scary.
1: Well, yeah. Have you ever like, have you ever started to think about something, and then all of a sudden the emotion comes through, and you're like, and your your body is responding to your memory of what you're thinking about. Like you're thinking back to a time maybe where you didn't uh the uh, conversation that you had didn't go very well mm. and it didn't it's still unfinished and you go back to it even though it's been fucking days Cringe later weeks later like months it. later years later yeah. and you're thinking about it and all of a sudden you're angry again it's just that and so because yeah. your mind sorry your body when you start to really imagine it in your mind your body actually starts to go oh this is actually happening mind-body connection so mm. it's it's a really it is a a courageous thing for an actor. In my opinion, it's one of the most courageous careers that someone can go on because you're connecting to all, all the shades of the human condition. Um, all of it because human beings are actually capable of anything. You just got to give them the right circumstances. Mm. And so that's what I found fascinating about acting. And I did it for a really long time. And I I worked in retail and I auditioned all the time oh. and then festivals came into my life. And that was a place where, like, I wasn't getting a lot of fulfillment from my acting career because I wasn't getting a lot of gigs. I was working in a job I didn't really like. Mm. But festivals came into my. How old it- were you? In this
0: place?
1: I would have been, <clears throat> um, like, ni- 19, 20, mm-hmm. I reckon. Like Rainbow was my first one. So early, okay. Yeah, Rainbow was my first mm. one, and I remember I went to that, and it was it was. just a shift happened. I was in bliss. I was so intrigued. It was like a huge playground. Everyone was wearing fun outfits and dancing. And it's just beautiful. And I was meeting everybody. I was meeting so many people. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, holy crap, like this is, this is where, um, this is my community. This is where I belong. And for a lot, like pretty much my whole life leading up to that particular time period, I didn't have a community really that I felt really a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the first time I really felt part of something.
0: And People, I don't realize it until you have it. No, because like I had groups of friends, I had many one-on-one friends, mm. but a community aspect. And I you hear about it all the time. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But unless you know you're part of a sporting group or a theatre something or I don't even know what other communities are there. A religion or culture. Mm. I guess you can get flavors of communities there, mm. but. Well, yeah, this, this, I didn't realize what I didn't have until a few months ago. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's such a potent thing to do. And I love the whole, there's a feeling I really love, which is that first feeling when you set up your tent or you set up your space that you're sleeping in and then it's all done. Mm. And then you're just, I, you know, I can, I picture it as like me standing in the doorway of my tent and I'm, I can hear the music And it's, this feeling comes, it's a special kind of excitement. It's like, all I get to do now for the next three days or four days is whatever I want.
0: Is have fun. That is the only thing you need to do. I did a video on this. It's wild what comes when you take away any to-do list, any responsibility. The pure, the purest version of us comes out, I feel. Yeah. 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 So much play.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's amazing. It's so amazing. I'm such a doof advocate. (laughs) It's the best. (sighs) Especially when you go with like a good crew crew. I'll be oh be a Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, very good. Oh. Yeah. Um and so yeah, that was my life. I literally lived for festivals for about I don't know how many years that was. But it was about four years, five years. Mm-hmm. I was going to every single one I could. I was saving them. any money that I was saving just went to festivals, outfits, travelling, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and I was in a relationship with, um, like she's still one of my best friends. Um, Georgia Walters, shout out. Um, mm. she was like someone that I did what a lot of, the... special... Georgia, Georgia, Walters? Oh, no who you're living with right now.
0: <laughs> I love her. Yeah. That's
1: great. <laughs> yeah. i actually met her through the, dra- the acting course.
0: No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she seems like a legend. She is a legend. She's mm. amazing.
1: And so I, for, she was part of that particular time in my life where, um, I was in like a really incredible relationship with her, we best friends in love. And then. Going to festivals together, living with our friends that we went to festivals with, etc. Yeah. Um, but then we actually got to a point where um, we needed to break up. Our romantic relationship time had come to an end, and we were splitting. And um, we ended up uh, we had tickets to go to Burning Man, and we decided we needed to go to Burning Man. And we still went without credit, without oh. crew, still went.
0: Don't tell me that's when you met.
1: I did. <laughs> yeah. So I went to went to Burning Man oh, and Eclipse. Wow. And that was a really, that was a big point. That was a big, the reason why I'm naming that is because it's a really big pivotal point for me because I realized that um, something was changing within me. It wasn't just the breakup with, with Georgia. There was something that had already happened before we'd broken up. This shift was happening inside of me that was... Causing me to be different in our relationship And she had her own things changing within her too So that's, you know, causing this equal split Mm -hmm. But there was so much changing for me That I realized Once we had made the decision And I was about to go to Burning Man It felt like something was coming Um, It felt like I was about to step into a new part of my life You know, I went to eclipse Which is very, you know, symbolic of, you know That was a big thing I was like, I'm going to see an eclipse In, you know, another part of the world And then we got a Burning Man, you know, the mothership of festivals, if you will. And so there was a lot of that.
0: Universe Universe pulled out the demi-file. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then
1: I went, I actually went because I was like, I don't think when I come back from this trip, I want to know what I want to do next with my life. And I don't think it's going to be acting. I just, I I can't, I don't like the industry, you know, going and being um, really vulnerable in front of people I don't know and not hearing any feedback back. Was just like not was not fulfilling anymore, yeah. um, and I didn't like all of the parties and schmoozing and doing. I, I hated all of that. Mm. It was what I loved was understanding the human condition. That's what I loved. Wow. And so I went away and I met you know had that was where I you know met Jara, and we went wow. and, like prob, I met him already, but we went and had our deep bro time, and he was amazing. While okay, I was at, Burning away Man. at Burning Man and like just, to well again. yeah partied with him and um, he was really great through my my breakup with Georgia you know he was he was just super supportive and um normalized a lot of what I was feeling in terms of confusion and sadness and so I was able to like feel the grief of it and feel, go through the change properly and um then, um, when I got back, I realized, okay, I know what I want to do, And I told Jara a lot about it. He'd been great at like springboarding with me and talking to me a bit about what this next step was going to look like. Little did I know mm. that when I was sharing with him the things that I wanted to do, he was on the same page. He's like, "Yeah, I want to do that too." Um, and so uh, we got I got back from I got back from overseas. I moved out of my house, I moved into a totally new new area of Melbourne with people I didn't really know very well. Um, and
0: intentionally to create a different, yep, life. different yeah. life.
1: Um, I ended up quitting acting, was done with that wow. and started looking for work, uh, in mental health. Cause I, I realized what I really wanted to do was give, was go and work with young people and give them all of what I knew about, you know, um, connecting to all of their human condition, understanding and normalizing how the, the shadow and the light within us all, Um, that's a very spiritual term for basically just normalizing everything they're feeling, Mm. um, and giving them tools. And I was really drawn to that and it took me about a year to find something. And I went into reach and tomorrow man and all these other agencies, like giving them resumes, sending emails to them, hassling for a year, nothing happened. And then eventually I heard we on the wind, um, uh, uh, man's name, He's named Al green, his shout out, Al green. He's, um, at the, he was at the time uh, someone that was involved with Reach and I connected with him and he, um, I told him what I was trying to... You know, I wanted to meet him and then I well, wanted to meet with him and talk to him about working at Reach.
0: Yeah, for people who don't know, I actually... Oh, yeah, great. I experienced Reach. It's a, And you can fine-tune it. But mm-hmm. it's an organization that goes to schools and helps teenagers. I think I was in year eight or nine. Mm. Um, and then there were one or two people that came and spoke. I guess in, in the aim to help us emotionally connect with each other mm. and break the tension and open up a safe environment for us to express because at that time it was all trying to be cool, it was all trying to, you know, wearing masks without realizing mm. and yeah, it was the first time I think anyone had seen anyone cry. Let like, you know, not even one on one, but a whole classroom mm. of multiple classrooms of people that I remember it being super deep, but I think there was only one session, but, um, yeah, that's to give a little bit of context. Mm. Oh, how
1: did you, how did you feel about that?
0: It, I don't think I went up, like, you know, they said, who wants to come up and sing a song, who wants to come up and dance a dance. And I remember I wasn't confident enough yet, Mm -hmm. but I remember looking up and it was so much respect for the people that did go up. Um, I just remember it being so, so Emotional, so impactful, mm-hmm. but I actually don't remember the details, but it definitely broke away. And it, it made me assume responsibility for a lot of the things that I was doing, whether I was being rude to someone or if mm-hmm. I was, cause in my head, yeah, as you said, we can always justify. Mm-hmm. And I was making up all these excuses like she did that or he did that. So it was okay if I did that, but it's no, 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 you're, you're only responsible for the actions that you're putting out. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can be the change that you want to see by just being, by being the bigger person. Mm hmm. But yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. I had reached come to my school in year eleven, I think it was. Did the same thing, put a chair at the front, and said, All of you are gonna stand on this chair and sing. Yeah. Did but, they run? No, no, no. He did like the first five, I think, and then pulled it away and we kept moving. Um it was powerful. Um so yeah, I hit I hit Al up about that and we sat down together, uh, and he named that He's actually left, he had left re- Reach and he had joined a company called The Man Cave and I hadn't heard of The Man Cave and um, he said that actually at this particular moment they were looking for more facilitators and they were looking for diverse a diverse range of facilitators and he said that my energy and my look um, was something they didn't have at The Cave yet and so they were, they were excited to have me. Mm. And this was, I had received a lot of rejection from other organizations because I hadn't I didn't have any experience in mental health on paper. Mm. Um, it's hard to explain on paper that I've actually done a lot of mental health, emotional intelligence training through acting. Cause it's just not, it's not recognized mm-hmm. um, how deep uh, a journey is with someone that's really going into acting properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Al, funnily enough has an acting background. So he got it mm-hmm. and he, it was, a, it was perfect. It was like a click and he, um, he got me on board and then, Um, the minute I started doing work with them, I just, it was the, it was just this feeling of like, Oh my God, I'm in the right place Mm. with really amazing men of character, all these tools about, you know, checking in and shout outs and honoring each other and supporting each other. And
0: can you give a brief overview of what man cave is? Yeah.
1: So what the man cave is, it's, it's changed a lot at the time when I joined it, it was a preventative mental health organization, or charity that would Send facilitators out to schools to deliver a one day program where we walk boys through what we call um, a container experience. Where we, for the first, um, for the first, for the beginning of the experience, they, you know, they get to know us, they get to feel our energy, um, they get to understand why we're here, why we're actually there to serve them, you know, what's the purpose of the man cave being there for them. Because if they don't understand that, they don't give a shit. Mm. And then the next part of it is them. Um, which is the hardest part for them, which is for them to do what's, you know, do a check-in and share how they're feeling in front of each other. Um, and we pull out the themes of what's going on in those check-ins and we connect them to other people in the room. And so they feel this sense of, Oh, I'm not alone in what I'm feeling. Um, and they become this unit that's built together. It's like this little web love web that comes together and they feel like a unit.
0: Can you give an example of like a really common one that people think that they're alone in and then that yeah. comes up in workshops?
1: Gold one that comes up quite a bit is the bully and the um, the kid that's getting bullied by the bully. Oh, a yeah. uh, kid will share, you know, common one. You know, um, I've had this in a workshop. A boy, uh, the kid that's being bullied doesn't feel safe at school or at home. Um, at home, he's abused or he's like verbally abused at, at, by his dad at home. Um, comes to school and then gets verbally abused and physically abused by this bully. Oh. And then the bully realizes that he has the exact same thing happen to him. He's, well, at home, he's getting abused by his dad and he's taking it out on this kid at school. But that kid's also got the same situation. All of a sudden, they have a common interest. All of a sudden, the bully's mm. like, I just want to say I'm really sorry. Oh. And I'm like, i had no idea and it's not okay what I've been doing to you. And if you ever need to talk, I'm here. Oh, and like, that's happened a lot of times. And that's just one thing. And then once again, guys are young, these right? guys are like 14, younger sometimes. And so what happens next is this cascading thing. Cause normally the bully will be the alpha male in the room. So a lot of the, the rest of the boys that are in that space gravitate to him. And if he's on board, everyone else is on board it's safe it's Mm -hmm. safe and then all of a sudden there's this veil that lifts off and all of a sudden these boys feel safe enough to talk about things that um they haven't yet had a chance to talk about and that can sometimes be you know some really heavy stuff which we're not trying to get from them um it's more about them just like the main part is for them to feel what what can happen if they're in a space that encourages them to be more themselves Mm -hmm. um a safe space um and the program works. It's really amazing. And um, the final part of it is uh, setting them up for the future because we're obviously not going to be with them the following day. It's all about them. Um, they recognize each other for their strengths. So we do what's called a shout-out circle where they they shout each other out or honor each other um, in a really beautiful way. So acknowledge
0: traits and parts of them that they respect and they love. Yeah. So, like, I love the way you... What's a common one?
1: So a common one might be... Um, uh, I I want to shout you out for um, being so courageous in sharing about your dad. Mm. Uh, the impact that had on me is it made it had me realize I'm not actually alone, and that what I was what I was doing to you was not okay. Which so is so funny. from the bully, yeah. which is you know? so
0: funny because the person will probably not share that in the fear of being judged, but that's a very thing that people respect and love yeah. for them. Oh, that's so nice. And is this all to help prevent what disconnection in in why only men as well i always thought that
1: yeah cool so mm, there's a big there's a big ant there's like an adult answer to no i'll go both mm-hmm. so for the boys when i've worked with teenage boys with girls in the room there's that hierarchy of them one like wanting to put on a performance or a side of them to protect their reputation with women mm-hmm. with, with the girls in the room so they'll behave differently um, and girls will, will also not know necessarily what to do from my experience. They don't necessarily know how to respond to a teenager boy when he's crying the way that we have teenage boys, you know, often, you know, they access their emotion and they're in a space where they're quite, they can sometimes release and, um, I've seen I've seen that happen with with girls in the room, and they don't know how to respond to that sometimes. And I think it's just it just it's cleaner for a teenage boy to have an experience separate with men to start with, mm. just to start to get used to this whole idea of talking about his emotions, stuff like that. I think that there's always definitely a place, definitely a place for that to happen together, um, because it's my belief, especially with adults. What I'm really starting to understand is. Uh, healing together is where it's at Um, but it might I haven't quite figured out like if it means if it's healthy to have the separate spaces first um, and then to bring together after you know those containers have sort of been defined a little bit and then bring them in
0: yeah I feel like the safety is so that comes from being for women, at least, it's like you're not having the men present. I feel like it's a lot more safe. Or there's like this understand- shared understanding of you're held, and then once you can cultivate that stronger within yourself, I feel like you have more courage to share. And that's where the deeper healing is, and you're seen by all genders, and mm. you know people that might have perpetuated a fear or a trauma in you. They're present to actually help make you rewrite that narrative, where it's like actually a man can be here, fully see me, fully hold me. And it is safe, and that could rewrite some stories from past times. But I feel like there is that kind of progression. Totally. Mm.
1: Yeah, and it's so it's so important. That's, that's, I really see a lot of that with um, some of the men I know out there that are doing work with women. With women, um, a lot of what they get to be for those women is the face of a lot of the masculine that those women have been betrayed by mm. or hurt by. Um, so yeah, I do see there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of healing and doing co but particularly with teenage boys we focus on just having you know this little collection of boys that's what we're that's what the man cave was focusing on Mm -hmm. when i started um and you know over the last four to five years there's been lots of new things that have emerged from um within the man cave um as we go forward on the mission we're after
0: Mm, yeah, I love that, and so you stepped into that so first, first it was acting even though you always had that deep conversation within you but then acting, really dropping into these emotional tumultuous different ways of being, and mm-hmm. then going on this doof self-expressive explorative journey mm-hmm. uh, relating with Georgia, letting go of that, stepping into a whole new version going mm-hmm. into Man Cave, learning for, to facilitate and hold space for these mm-hmm. boys, mm-hmm. and then is there a last step? Uh,
1: so, or we'll fast track through the cave now. So, since since starting, um, I've gone from just being a facilitator that goes it goes in and creates space for boys to access, you know, their their power and their leadership. Um, and it's now grown like the cave's now grown into um, what we call um, almost like a character building space where we really love that whole idea of. Building character, because mm. we're now doing programs at a level two, level three, which are it goes. Um, the first workshop we might deliver is about self. Second workshops about others, and the third's about community. And so it is quite character building once you start to really build teenagers up that way. Is this also for adults? So this is just for this is just for the teenagers we work with. The so self. Other,
0: Other, community. Community. I love that. Yeah. And I feel, and it has to go in that order because you can't show up for yeah. community unless you've done the work on your own. Yeah. Mm, I yeah. love that.
1: Yeah. Cool. And so, yeah, just done a lot, we've done a lot of work now online. Um, when we were in, went into COVID, there was we created a digital platform where um, Jarrah and I, Jarrah ended up getting coming into the cave. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I ended up creating a whole bunch of digital content, which we called Conscious Trojan Horse content where we would make stuff that was funny for like tiktok and youtube and all that sort of stuff but we'd have a message inside a lot of the messages that we cut like we've noticed um come up in man cave workshops uh for example um uh first thing comes to mind is uh we made a piece of content around flirting because we recognize that you know teenage boys don't know necessarily what's flirting and what's not Um, And so we made this piece of content where, you know, like Jarrah will be walking past me and I'll have a T-shirt over my head. It's long hair and I'll smile at him and walk past and then it'll cut to his face looking up at his own mind. And there's these words popping up above his head. And it's like it says, is it flirting? And it's got she smiled at me. She her eyes stayed on me for a long time. She looked back and it's like trying to figure out if, you know, this girl likes him or not. Um, and we just made little, little and bits of, con- the
0: message? what was the message in that one?
1: Oh, it's just like that. It's, it can be confusing to mm-hmm. figure out what's flirting, what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, we well, yeah, did a lot of that. And now I'm, um, I did a, I ran a mentoring program with, uh, eight teenage boys last year where I was literally doing man cave. I was teaching them man cave tools and creating a safe space for them for like 10 months. Whoa. So it wasn't just one day. It was, uh, you know. Every, I think it was, uh, every two weeks I was working with these teenage boys.
0: And I think that's where the real change is, is the regular practice. I mean, like I do workshops and it's hopefully enough and other small, you know, day experiences where it's enough to make people realize maybe they're not living in their truth or there's something they want to work on, Mm. but then to actually support them over a long period of time Mm -hmm. through signing a program or a course or something. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, again, we're trying to change the way we've been living and thinking and being mm-hmm. for decades, for our entire life. So, to rewrite that in a day is so ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, can I get you to elaborate on a man of character? Mm-hmm. So, in the end, all of this is to try to get someone to, you know, self-lead and to be compassionate with others and to be a service to the community. Yeah. Is that what a man of character is?
1: Yeah, I feel, I feel uh, for me, a man of character is um, a person who is responsible for all of them, all of themself, um, and is of service, and, yeah, really, just really takes responsibility. It's made, That's a big one for me. Integrity is another mm-hmm. word that I feel man of character has. Um, and, yeah, and there's something about the, the feminine that I think is incredibly important for a man of character is just understanding what can happen if the feminine feels safe with the masculine. I think that's something that's not taught in schools, but it's, it's come to me through a lot of what I've done. And, um, I was actually saying this to Demi last night. Uh, one of my favorite things to uh, recognize is, uh, how big she is getting in terms of how much more herself she's becoming, how much bigger she's becoming, um, through her own efforts, definitely. And how, you know, what, what space like what i can create within our intimate space and without within our home mm. that allow her to relax soften be in chaos be sad be angry be happy be all these things um and for me to be you know like the like the cup so she can be the tea inside and be mm. this beautiful pungent beautiful like mm. strong tea and i can be this you know solid cool. solid cup mm. um And I think that that's really... That's a lot about um, a man of character too. It's honouring the feminine. um, And that means honouring the feminine inside too.
0: I was just going to say, it sounds like it's reflective of your own experience to say for myself, balancing the feminine and the masculine and the masculine being that logical, that mission oriented that thinking mind, which is so powerful, it gets shit done. It allows us, you know, aligned action and for us to achieve whatever purpose we want. Mm. But... In isolation, it can be empty. It can it can mm. be void of, yeah, meaning and purpose and connection from a deeper place. But if you're just in the chaos, if you're just in the, the creative juices and the... I mean, there's so much... Yeah, what else is in there? Like the nurturing, the love, it can lack aligned action. Mm. And that's just within myself. But I've actually... I'm excited to step into a conscious relationship mm. where... We have to balance that within each other. And Mm. for, yeah, the feminine, whoever, body, whoever wants to do that um, in different ways as well. It's not like you are completely the masculine, you are the feminine in some respects. Mm. Um, But that's actually interesting. I haven't thought too much about that when it's two people Mm. and how that is, yeah, that would be such an interesting challenge to navigate.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, yeah, multiple... Challenges like where it's all part of it because we're going deeper and deeper and um, Yeah, I'm learning a lot about uh, The feminine through her and she's learning a lot about the masculine through me, which is really cool because For a really long time. I wouldn't have associated the word masculine to myself Mm. You know, I was very feminine in hanging out with girls all the time and talking about emotions and feelings Mm. and stuff like that And it's only been, you know, really within the past two years properly Mm where I've started to step more into masculine energy through doing a number of different things.
0: Can I ask, when you said at the beginning of the relationship, you said you didn't feel fully of worth of Demi and that presented itself through people-pleasing. Yeah. I feel like there would be so many of us that put our hands up to relate to that. Yeah. Can you, yeah, can you expand on that, what that looked like and then how you were able to overcome that because... Yeah. I'm super curious because that came up in my past relationship Mm. and vice versa, Mm. where I could feel he was people pleasing, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because I obviously created an environment that wasn't that didn't make him feel safe to be him. Mm -hmm. So I definitely feel like I contributed, but then when he would acquiesce or he would, you know, change himself to fit into the category to the requirements in quotation marks that I put that was also the opposite of what I wanted because you can sense that it's not coming from a real place and you can sense the lack of leadership or the lack of character. Mm. So it's, you can't win on both fronts. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome that? more
1: <laughs> okay. So for me, the what ended up happening when we started out, when the relationship started officially, one of the things that um, was present, like there was... Oh, There was things at the beginning of the relationship where Demi would not like certain things that I was doing. You know, one an example was, um, I really love, I love this. <laughs> I really love eating a meal and watching something on Netflix or just watching something on my laptop. It's mm-hmm. so simple, but it's just, I fucking have the best time mm-hmm. for that meal and the thing. And so when I, when I was doing that, Dem, at the beginning of our relationship would just say, Oh, I don't really like that. I think I'd prefer us to, you know, sit together and have a meal together and listen to music. And, and to me, that sounded better because I me mean, just watching stuff on a laptop is probably not the best, but her idea sounded better, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't what like that. Yes. That makes me happy, but like I fucking love, Yeah. you know, when I'm on my own, maybe when we're together, I can do that. But yeah. when I'm on my own, I really love the laptop and the food and stuff. And so when we started the relationship, um, I didn't feel worthy of her because I, I did this thing where when I found a woman that um, I was attracted to, I put her on a pedestal as this amazing person, you know, oh my God, you're amazing. And that would, that'd be my story for whole my life, you know, with women that um, I felt romantically connected to. And so, um, when she started to engage with me, like I would be my people pleaser because I didn't want to feel, or part of me didn't want to feel rejected by her because she felt so precious. So I can't lose her.
0: And you were fearful that if you watched Netflix, she would judge you in a way. She
1: judged me and pulled a distance. And then eventually, like the ultimate thing is she'd leave me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so time went on, um, our relationship changed and all these things. And like, this was, you know, a year and a half, maybe a year ago or a year and a bit ago. Where I just, like, there was this resentment that kept coming up in our relationship between her and I, coming from my end first. And she'd be like, why? Why do you, like, where did this resentment come from? Like, why is there so much resentment here? And I really, I did, a, like, a deep dive into why within me. And what came through was that I was in my people pleaser with mm-hmm. her for a lot of my relationship. And it was really confronting. Like, I, I said to her, I said, babe, like, I've been in my people pleaser for a lot of our relationship. I don't know how much of it I have actually been in my people pleaser. And she, we went into this, like I call it the void where um, all of a sudden there's like one of us has stepped into the void of going, all right, I'm just gonna, I need to speak truth now. Here I am. And then it's up. And then she chooses to come into the void with me or doesn't. And it's like, that was me jumping off the cliff. And then she, she just was like, I, in this space of unknowing and then eventually she stepped off into the void with me and we're in this space of unknowing talking through it all and like i said to her i said i'm not i don't feel like it's the end but i feel this like intense like frustration and resentment and all this stuff and eventually what it ended up attitude, okay, yeah she was off. shitting herself yeah. yeah so but, when,
0: when you say she jumped off was that it's like if she didn't she could have what been defensive denied yep. it yep. but then her was it her just taking responsibility and be like okay i see you like what did that look like her jumping in
1: she her saying to me i love you so much that if you're not having this relationship i'm willing to let you go if that's that's what it is and we sat out on this balcony out here and we sat in we sat just like with each other and we're in it we're in it and you know we've had quite a few of these conversations where it's like okay, this is like we're we're in fucking truth. There is not a shred of like, we're not getting taken mm-hmm. by our fear in this. We're, we're feeling it all, but we're not, we're, we're in like, we're loving ourselves all the way down to the point mm-hmm. where we're willing to speak our needs, even though that might mean the relationship the may end. Yeah. Wow. Because we're, this is important. And so she, um, eventually I said, she goes, what does this mean? I said, look, I want to see what happens next. I'm not, I don't want to break up. I want, to see, I want to see what happens next because I don't want to be in my people pleaser. It's not fair. And she goes, I don't want that for you either. I've never wanted that for you. And I named to her, like, some of the examples. And I said to her, yeah, there's this thing that I noticed, like, when I'm on my laptop and I'm eating breakfast in the morning, if you get up and come into the kitchen, I'll close my laptop oh, yeah. and talk to you. And you might, you might come into the kitchen and, like, grab something and then leave. And then it's like, I've got to open my laptop up again and log back Was in. Was that something
0: that she did initially where she might have judged you a few times beforehand? or Because I... I'm like cringing at this because I used to do this with my ex where I was the one that I wanted to listen to music and chat or just, just being, I don't like, I have a screen rule Mm -hmm. because I am not present when I eat and I love to eat. And so I try not to do that. And then Mm -hmm. he did the same thing where I would walk into the room and Mm -hmm. notice it covered where he'd hide the game controller Mm -hmm. because for him it was video games. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I have explicit. It was like, you know, I don't like video games, but he just knew Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And he knew that maybe I would lose respect or whatever that the fear was. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to know. I mean, it's both parties creating this kind of situation. But when you're talking like this, I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, holy shit. I can so resonate. Totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she, I told her and she, she looked at me dumbfounded. She's like, what? I said, you know, you don't like it when I'm, you know, when I am eating and I'm watching a show on my laptop. She's like, when, when did I say that? Mm. And she had no idea. And I said, babe, you remember when, you know, you said to me that you said, you'd, you know, your dad likes to eat on his lap, on his computer and you don't like, you know, want to connect with me and all that. And she's like, yeah, I love that. But I mean, in the morning, you know, I've been asleep. Like you've made a meal and you're, you're about to go to work and stuff. Like I understand you're in your flow. Like I'm not going to bother
0: you if, you're, mm. if, you're, if, you're, if that's what you want. She, and I was just like, oh. Right And especially hearing It being a need of yours Where you're not like Eh I'm bored I'll just do it You're like I fucking love it Mm. If my partner said that It was because I think you just put it on And maybe I'm just justifying again Mm. But I don't like TV Just in the background No one's watching this Ads going Mm -hmm. on That's unintentional Mm -hmm. But if like Hey let's watch this movie I've heard great reviews We both like this Mm fucking earth let's set the projector up Mm. but it's it's again it's the intention it's it's the mindfulness behind it Mm -hmm. and if some if someone turned around was like hey this is actually really important to me i'd be like please like it's an honor that you you want me to know that Mm. i feel like but Mm. again just creating all these fucking stories yeah and it's that
1: it was that it was just me starting to realize oh my gosh like i've got all these things that, um, you know, my, pe- my people pleaser actually taught me a lot. You know, I talk to that part of myself and ask more questions and it's part of what I do. It's like, oh, if I, you know, ask my people, my inner people pleaser, like, what what are you afraid of? And it's like, I'm afraid of Demi leaving mm. if she saw us on my, on our, on my mm. laptop. And it's like, oh, okay, right. And then it's, it's me realizing, oh, that's an old belief that's still active in my body. And I can change that if I want to. Mm. And so just doing that every day with Demi, like really being, like noticing when there's fear coming up around how, what she might do if I'm, you know, I make this decision or say that thing. And it's, I think that's been the, the thing on just so many micro decisions every single day, bringing more of myself into this relationship. And she's doing it too. Like I said, she's growing so much, you know, she I see, every day she's a she's a bigger version of herself. Even when she's, you know, shriveled up after being of service to 60 women in a week and she's in a bathtub crying with bath salts and candles (laughs) she's still a bigger woman and so i just i i see how much growth comes from us just stepping more and more into our authentic nature and asking for it
0: Mm, i love that so if you're going to give a piece of advice for someone on both sides where it's like like if someone wants to watch netflix when they eat Mm-hmm. okay, that's something small. If someone wants to go get fucked up on the weekend, mm-hmm. okay, if someone wants to not work or work or nonstop work or all these little things, at what point, because, I mean, this is now the question of conditional versus unconditional love. Yep. Where it's like, how do you know where you want to practice unconditional love and be like, wow, that is me projecting my needs or my values onto you and I, like that's not right and I want to help you be you Mm. but then also you want to be with someone where you choose the values or the common grounds that you want to have Mm -hmm. where it's like how do you discern where you hold strong to your boundaries and your conditions versus Mm -hmm. when you transcend that and you fall into unconditional love
1: I don't know if I've got a quote or anything ready to go with this, but Mm. from my experience, it's like I said, it's every day. It's paying attention to, yeah, it's paying attention to what I want and, um, communicating that to my partner Mm -hmm. in a way. It's, it's that all the time, you know? Um, I think that, the growth, really, like the the, the depth and the width and the the magic of a of a conscious relationship, really relies on. It's quite simple. It's communication, and it's also just being being brave enough to ask for what you want all the time. Whether it be how you like to be touched when you're making love, whether it be how you um, want to spend your weekend, whether it be you know. And there's always compromise in, in that too, you know, um, which is huge. But I I think that if your if your partner's willing to listen to you um and consider everything you're bringing on board and to meet you in it with respect if you feel respect um there's something to do there's something to to continue working with mm. especially if it's like taking a while but the respect is still there mm, huge. i think i think that's you know there's t- you can give time to it because because a lot of mo- pretty much what i pre- would presume is in the way of a lot of that is you know, um, a bit of trauma that you could feel through eventually together and come to a new platform. Mm. Um, that's a big thing that I've just named. I understand that I just said trauma, but like, you know, if there's respect in the relationship, um, and there's an, you know, there's, uh, yeah. And there's love still there, but there's things happening. There's hope, mm. in my opinion, if there's no respect, um, but there's this, this desperation or this energy that feels like it's like a roller coaster, or if it feels like it's a bit dramatic all the time, um, that's something to pay attention to. Because for me, I feel like like co- like existing, you know, being in this place of I need this person mm. is something I see a lot. I was I was associated a lot too when I was younger um and i don't blame a lot of people that are res- residing in those sort of relationships because that's what we are sold mm-hmm. um in my opinion and like everything we're seeing in terms of like what love is and movies and what you know fucked if you find what love is through you know rap music or or whatever like you're not gonna find it there you know you, there are there is other music outlets that are really beautiful with representing what love's all about but I think just the idea of what romantic love looks like majority of the material that's out there is pretty obsessive Mm -hmm. and it's all about the, um, you know, the one. And, um, I was really deep in a lot of that stuff and it's been a lot of like, uh, unlearning a lot of that. Mm. Um, and coming back to, uh, yeah, starting with me, you know, like I said, self other community, it's always Mm. about like, you are the person that you need to fall in love with first. Um, which involves like going in and forgiving Mm. all these parts of yourself that have you put in your basement Mm. in your deep, you know, in a basement and allowing all those, those parts of yourself that you've hidden from the world. Because when you express them, when you're a child or a teenager or a young person or, you know, a young adult, people treated you with, they pulled love away from you. And so you don't do those behaviors anymore because last time you did it, people pulled love away Mm. um and it's all about like letting those parts come back up letting them express and then you know then what comes through well for me anyway is like all of this beautiful love starts to come through my body because there's all this acceptance and um trust in my body and then all of a sudden i'm feeling like i really believe that i'm lovable and then comes the next bit which is you meet someone at that same vibration you know Mm. you meet someone that's uh, that respects and loves themselves the same way, and then you've got you've got two fucking potent ingredients that are willing to do some pretty deep work together because that's the next bit, you know. Dem expanded my mind to the feminine, you know. She, you know, brought me really deeply into um, the power of, you know, him, like allowing our emotions to come through our body and. Um, yeah, just like her ability, her capacity to like she what she can do in a in a day or you know in one day is quite a remarkable thing. You know, she can build a website, run a dance school with thirty students, um, you know, call us, call two of her friends and hold space for them, uh, make meals, and wow. you know, come home and do more. You know, like write, do a blog or something, write a piece of, you know, write a. Uh five hundred or thousand word piece about um, the suppressed feminine, <laughs> so she's just she's she, like she's taught me a lot about capacity and how to pace myself and how to love and nurture my body and mm. the the wisdom that comes from understanding your cyclical nature mm. and how sacred blood is and mm. the female form and
0: yeah uh, I feel like we we can learn so much from the other. So deeply and rather than push it away. Cause yeah, when I found women's circles, thank you for sharing all that. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. I pushed away my masculine a lot because it caused so much, not pain and suffering per se, but imbalance and now entering both energies intentionally, just realizing how just so needed, like and balance is such a overused word. I feel like, but it's so true. It's like just having, not, yeah, I always had an interesting relationship with my masculinity, but it wasn't... That wasn't the challenge. It was the absence of the feminine. And now that I have slowed down and I am way more in touch and I do, I am focused a lot more internally. It My masculine is, allow, is being given permission to be in full reigns and it's actually created this beautiful blend, mm. which is so, so nice to, to feel and see. Um, and I am aware of the time. I'd love to finish off on what is your... Usually I ask, what's your definition of a happy, successful, connected life? Mm -hmm. But I want to ask, what is your definition of living a life full of love? Hmm.
1: My definition of living a life full of love is by powerfully choosing that it all starts with you first and healing all these parts of you that are suppressed and don't feel accepted and giving all of those parts of yourself love and nurturing and being the best possible um, server, like ser- person of service to yourself. Mm. And that doesn't mean going and getting chocolate or having bubble baths or anything like that. It's actually choosing in moments of, challenge to stop and slow down and be with the feeling that's there and ask questions and nurture that part of yourself and do that to a point where there's just it becomes a second nature thing that happens every waking moment of your life once that's happening the world then becomes this limitless place of potential That's and it's ecstasy it's it's full of ecstasy it's, it's exciting it's exciting because like the things that you used to be afraid of because you'd be you know i used to be really concerned about how people thought of me and like what what um yeah like what happens if i fail what are what are people going to what am i going to think about myself and i think that now that a lot of that's starting to feel less intense it's not gone mm. but it's less intense I feel like I'm constantly in a space where I, I, majority of my time I'm, I'm in my heart mm. um, and that feels like the way. And mm. so that's why I'm choosing to go that way because mm. it feels like what happens is I have more love to give um, because everything I, all the part, like, like I said, the human condition, all these parts of myself that I'm, I'm creating um, loving relationships with that is that's building trust within me, when I see those parts animated in other people Mm. I recognize myself in them and it's not like (sighs) I'm not looking at them as from a place of like, Oh, you're damaged or anything like that. It's there's still a part of me like my judgment still comes up to protect me from other people sometimes. And that's okay. But there's the, I can, I'm really starting to understand what happens when I recognize myself in someone on a felt level, not intellectual. Mm. And I know what I can do to help them without necessarily like, holding space or doing anything that's like a therapy session I can just I know how to show up for them because that's how I've shown up for that part of me within myself Um, that's
0: you loving them that's that's me loving them
1: I, I change my energy depending on the part like you know if they're associated to their anger I've done a lot of work with my anger so I know an approach that works when I approach my inner anger I usually adopt that approach to when I'm working when I'm speaking to somebody that's associated to their anger Um, that works Mm. and so this is great harmony where i'm no longer i'm still learning all this too but Mm. it's like i'm I'm slipping into a space where i can um be loving to the outside world as i am with with my inside world Mm. and i think for me that's the that's the journey of really being in a a place of um constantly perpetually loving oneself and others
0: Mm. highest form full of compassion understanding and love. Mm. I love that.
1: Yeah. As above, so below. Yeah. That's perfect timing.
0: I think David just here.
1: <laughs> no, no. That's that's the um, wind confirming the end of the podcast. Oh, okay. Slamming perfect. the gate. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much. I feel like... Oh, I actually love the journey that we went on, which is unexpected, but relating, and I feel like that's something that I am so curious about because you can do the work for yourself, but completely changes when you begin to relate with someone, and then I've heard completely changes when you have kids and things mm-hmm. like that. So, hearing you know, the conscious journey or stepping in and the reclamation of self at different parts of our journey in our life mm-hmm. is so helpful. So mm-hmm. thank you for imbuing your wisdom with all of us. Mm. And yeah, thank you so much.
1: And thank you for um seeing me in the tapestry of this community even you really started to immerse <laughs> yourself in. And within, I don't know how many interactions we've had in the same space, but in a very short period of time, seeing me and respecting me on a level that is yeah giving me you've given me the honor of being on your podcast so yeah i yeah, appreciate the invitation and um if you're making the effort to come an hour away from where you're staying and setting up in my lounge room mm. um
0: and yeah doing this with me it's been a lot of fun thank you thank you <laughs> okay friends that is it for this episode if you got inspired by something please don't let this be yet another podcast you listen to and forget instead Try and focus on the biggest takeaway you got and actually apply it to your life by making a change from today. If you think someone in your life can also get value from it, please share this episode with others. The more that join this journey, the better the world will be. Don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And finally, if you'd like to connect, jump on my Instagram and shoot me a message. All the links will be in the show notes. Other than that, that's it from me today and I'll catch you next time.